I'm excited about today. Today we're going to wrap up our Mastermind series. Before I jump into that, though, next Sunday is our Dream Team party. Uh, if you're a member of our Dream Team, you have received an email that lets you know that has let you know about this party over a month ago. And so we've been trying to be very proactive in it. But if you serve on our Dream Team and you did not get that email about our Dream Team party next Sunday, I need you to see Ellen immediately after service. Ellen, why don't you put your hand up? See Ellen after service if you did not get that email because next Sunday is our Dream Team party. And if you're a member of our Dream Team, you do not want to miss this party. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of details in the email. And so we can't wait to get together to celebrate all of our Dream Team. Come on, let's give our Dream Team a hand and make it all happen. Make it all happen. So we're excited, super excited about next Sunday. And so looking forward to... Uh, to that. So today I want to jump into uh, the last message of our Mastermind series. This has been a great series. Tons of feedback. Lots of people are commenting on it. Today I want to finish up and talk about reframing your mind. Last week, if you remember, we talked about training your mind and, and, and we talked about meditation. How many of y'all did a little bit of meditation this week? Some of y'all are like, I don't do that. That's just weird. Well, if you're thinking about something over and over and over, you are meditating. And so we're trying to point your thoughts in the right direction. And so I'm going to recap really quick before we get into uh, into the, the, the message for today. And so throughout the series, there's been some themes that we have been saying over and over. And, and just to recap, we said that most of life's battles are won in the mind. Most of the things that we're dealing with are things that are going on in our minds. And that the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we're thinking. And so before we are quick to blame others, the first things we need to do is look at home. And then if we're going to look at home, I think we got to start by looking in the dome. Am I right? We need to, to evaluate what am I thinking because it is affecting how we live. And so if it comes into your mind, chances are it's going to come out in our lives, okay? Because you can't have a positive life with a negative mind. Touch your neighbor and say, oh, that was so good. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. So our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if you're angry and you keep thinking angrily, your life is going to move in that direction. If you think happy thoughts, that not just sound cute. If you think happy thoughts, your life's going to move in that direction. So last week, we talked about training your thoughts we brought up the word meditation. Now, I know a lot of people, when they hear that word, they back away from it because it sounds kind of new age. It sounds like some weird stuff that other people do that we don't do. But anytime that you think about something consistently over and over, you're actually meditating on that thought. And so the definition of meditation is to engage in mental exercise or to focus one's thought. And so meditation is the training of our minds. It, we're training our minds how to think. Now, here's the thing. You can either train it towards truth or you can train it towards lies. It just depends on what is your meditation. That's why the Word of God is so important, okay? So the process of meditation is emptying our minds, filling our minds with the truth. And when we talked about truth, we're not just talking about something that's written in a book, but we're talking about the person of Jesus, amen? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. A lot of people, they fill their minds with information about Christ, but I think we need to fill our minds with who Christ is. 
Amen? Because in Christ, that's where we truly have our victory. All right? So we have to empty our mind, but fill our minds with truth. And that is how we can fix our minds. So Psalms 119, 15, and 16 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. And watch this. I will not neglect your word. I will not neglect it. I'm not just going to think positively. I'm going to think what your word says. Amen? When I'm going through it, I'm trying to be positive. I'm working really, really hard to be positive, but I got people getting on my nerves. I got things going wrong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Trying to be positive, trying to keep it nice, trying to keep it cool, not going to lose my temper. Anybody? Okay, I hope I'm talking to the right people. And so you can only keep that charade up for so long before somebody just kind of just barely touches you and then boom, we got explosion. But how am I going to deal with that? I, I, I have to get into the word of God because my soul needs some work. And if my soul's going to be worked, it needs to be worked with the word of God. So last week we did a really, really cool illustration and we used some ping pong balls and we talked about training our mind. It's like having a container full of these ping pong balls and every one of those ping pong balls represent a thought. It represents some thoughts that we have been meditating on and it's just filled our minds up, thoughts bouncing all over in place. And how do I get over, how do I get past these thoughts? And we had a pitcher of water that we began to pour water into that container which represented our mind. And little by little, as that container filled up with the water, it was pushing those thoughts out little by little. And that's what meditation is, is little by little. I can't promise you that today. I'm going to preach so good that the music was so incredible that it will fix every single negative thought in your mind. You'll never have a problem with it again. We're just not that good. But I do believe a little bit here today. And tomorrow, getting in God's Word. And maybe listening to some music that's uplifting to your soul. And maybe watching some things instead of it tearing you down and exposing you to some sin. But something that's going to expose you to God's goodness. Little by little, it begins to change our thought process. Are you grabbing this? And as that begins to fill our mind, it pushes all of those negative thoughts out. All the thoughts out that we don't need that has been controlling us and been holding us Hostage. So this is what we, we, we summarize with. Prayer and worship clears the mind. Prayer and worship clears the mind. That's why I think it's so hard to pray. Because the enemy knows whenever you begin to pray, those thoughts are being pushed out. It's so hard to worship. Because the enemy knows when you begin to worship, you're fixing your focus on the Lord. Are you grabbing this? You may have come here today and you're like, I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. But as the music's gone, there's this, there's this urge. There's this, it's like almost pulling you in. And that's the presence of God just trying to invade your life. The welcoming presence of God is saying, come on in. It's safe in here. Come on in. It's peaceful in here. But at the same time, our minds are going crazy. I got to get the laundry done. We don't have any food in the house. We got to go back to work tomorrow. All these different thoughts. It's the enemy trying to keep you from experiencing God's presence. So what does he do? He tries to keep our mind full of all these crazy thoughts. But if we could just slow down, spend a few moments with God in prayer, spend a few moments with God in worship, it calms us down. And in that moment, when we begin to read God's word, what does it do? It fills us with some truth. Isn't it so simple, but yet it's so hard to live out in everyday life. We just got to keep it simple. So today, I want to follow up last week 
because we're training our minds. But let's talk about reframing our minds. In other words, let's talk about where did these thoughts come from? Where have all these thoughts that I've been having coming from? Now, the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think it. Okay, you remember the video we showed a few weeks ago? And it showed you these neural pathways, okay? We, it showed it in the video that when you think a thought for the first time, it literally begins to create a pathway in your brain, okay? Trust me, I'm a brain surgeon. Not really, but I studied this stuff a little bit, okay? So when you think that thought for the first time, it almost like clears a pathway that wasn't there. If you no longer think that thought, that's not a good pathway. And it's going to be hard for it to go that way again. But if you keep thinking it over and over, it's like walking in the same place in the yard. If you keep walking it, eventually the grass in that area where you're walking is going to die. Eventually it becomes a pathway and it becomes easier and easier and easier to think that way. And that's why it's so important that we capture those thoughts before we let them run freely in our minds, okay? So we've been talking about that throughout the series. So we have these different pathways in our mind that have been created by the thoughts that we've been thinking over and over. Now, let me tell you some good news. If you've been thinking some good thoughts and you've been like putting God's word in your life and you've been really, really working on your thinking, you're creating some really, really good pathways that's gonna benefit in the activity of your life. In other words, it's going to begin to show in how you act, how you carry yourself, all those different things. But if we're thinking in a negative way, we're thinking perverse things, if we're thinking just constantly angry, it's creating pathways and it's going to be so much easier to think like that. If we're thinking with offense, think about unforgiveness and offense. If we think like that constantly, we're going to be constantly in a state of being offended. In other words, it will be so easy to become offended by other people. And not, it's not because everybody's trying to get you. It's because you've thought that way for so long, it's gotten really easy to be offended. This is strong stuff, okay? So what if we're not thinking good thoughts? Now, we've said that it's easier to think negative. Am I right? It's easier to walk in anywhere, the house, the school, the church, the friend's house, the car and just automatically have negative thoughts and just say, I don't like that. That's not cool. I don't like that. And just the, the negativity. So what happens is over time, the more we think this way, our mind develops a bias. Bias. You ever had a biased opinion before? Just biased. I'm, I'm, I, we're good. I didn't tell you that. You didn't have to keep going, but give Miss Tony a hand. She's over here playing. So usually... I'm sorry. Usually the routine, usually the routine is play till I read the scripture. I didn't tell her the scriptures at the very end of the sermon today. My bad, Miss Tony. Thank you, though. She just would have kept going the whole time. Thank you, Miss Tony. I didn't know how to transition that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know how to transition that. Bias. I like a little keyboard in the background, you know what I'm saying? Sets the mood. So let's talk about our minds developing a bias, okay? And this is what a bias is. A bias is a reinforced opinion, okay? A reinforced opinion. So in our minds, what happens is we develop a cognitive bias. And this is what that is. It's a mistake in reasoning 
based on personal preferences or beliefs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got some biases in their family? You know what I'm saying? Anybody got some food bias? Anybody got some team bias? You know what I'm saying? And, and it's amazing. Like, um, so all of my kids have become fans of different teams, even though we don't live in those areas. <coughs> Seriously. Because they were influenced to like that team. Don't even live there, but we like that team. They were influenced by people who have gone before them. Just as we have all been influenced in different things, there are some of us that say, I will never, ever go there. Have you been? No. Well, you're not going. I don't know. We just don't go there. Well, why don't you go there? I'm not quite sure. My family just never went there. So you ask your parents, why don't we go there? I don't know. My parents just said we don't go there. So why don't we go there? I don't know. Ask your grandparents. And it, could, it can pass on from generation to generation, and you don't even know why you won't do it. It's just, that's our bias. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to develop these biases. And, and trust me, we all have them because we all have opinions. Don't look at nobody right now. Because we do. We have these things called opinions. And without realizing it, watch this, these cognitive biases, I don't even know if I'm saying the plural form of that word correctly, but just roll with it because that's what you would say too, okay? These cognitive biases, they create a mental filter that impacts how we think. We didn't realize it, but it's creating a filter. It's like a mental filter or, or, or a mental framework, if you will. And we have all, we got these default filters. It's a default frame of thought that we view life through. And, and trust me, every one of us have them. And, and, and it comes through things in our family, things that we've been exposed to, different experiences, education. Just, I mean, if you want to see someone change their filter and their frame of thinking, just watch them go to college. Because, like, you go in, you're like, this is who I am, this is what I believe. Then you get to college, you're like, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I believe anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go into school and you're confident of your career path and everything you want to do. And by like the end of the third week of school, you're questioning everything. Like you have no clue who you are, what in the world, and why am I here? Like got, you got dudes breaking down on campus that need help. I mean, it is, it's true. Why? Because the, 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 the perspective has been challenged. And how are you whenever your perspective, or watch this, your bias gets challenged? Now, some of us, when our bias gets challenged, we bow up to it. Anybody know someone like that? And they are quick to argue. Like, they love a good argument. Anybody know someone like that? They are quick to argue. I mean, they just love arguing. Other people, they just don't say anything. They just steady Eddie. They just keep going the way that they think. Other people, they're so influential. I mean, they're so, they get influenced so easily, they can't believe that they thought this way, and their insecurity begins to, uh, to kick in, and they just conform and become like the person who's questioning them. We all have different reactions to our biases. We also have different reactions with our biases, okay? So this is why people can respond differently to the same situation. You can have different people responding to the same situation all differently. You know what I'm talking about? Like, think about growing up in your own house. How many of you had siblings growing up, brothers and sisters? You got one person who's falling off the wagon. 
because something is happening. And the other person is kind of like, ah, doesn't even bother me. Same thing happening, two different reactions. How does that occur? Think about it. Think about it at work. You got some people who are always in a state of panic that they're going to shut the company down and it's, oh my God, what's going to happen? We're not going to make it. You got other people who aren't even thinking about that stuff. They're just looking at the next thing they're going to do to move up in the company. All they're thinking is promotion, baby. And you got other people like, oh no, this thing's going to end. The economy is going to tank. And these biases, listen, these biases begin to kick in. And what does it do? Controls our life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The negativity. Like, think about learning how to be negative. Like, it's very easy to learn how to be negative. It's a challenge to learn how to be positive. And in the context of family, there's always the person who's positive, and there's the person who's negative, and they usually are at war with each other. Same thing at work, same thing in anywhere where you have a group of people. So watch this. It's not that the facts are different. It's not that the facts are different. It's the filter, the thinking, the framework of our thoughts that is different. You can have the same situation, two different people, but their filter is different than ours. And because of it, they can see something that we do not see. Are you following this today? So filters, let's talk about that for a second. They become pretty popular on social media. I'm nervous for the people who's always taking selfies and putting filters on them. Because if you are ever missing and we have to find you, <laughs> like, are you sure you're going to look that way when we're looking for you? Like, seriously. Some of you are like, today you're going to go to take a selfie. You're like, mm, I probably shouldn't put that filter. I need a, at least one real one. Hashtag real me. You know what I'm saying? If you're a guy and you do that, God help you. So what, can, what you can do is this. You can take an ordinary picture. Okay, And you can apply a filter and make it look extraordinary. Like Snapchat became very popular. And some of you like Snap who? There's this social media platform called Snapchat. A lot of young people are using it. They take a picture and they put all these different filters on. I mean, you can become a deer. <laughs> you can become a Care Bear. You can become a rock star with a filter. Like you can turn yourself into like the little flower, little headbands, you know, and all that stuff. Seriously, how many of y'all ever used the filter before on one of your pictures? You know what I'm saying? You can have like little stars gleaming. And so I figured I'd try this out. And I wanted to show you the pictures. I thought this would be a lot of fun. Come on, spring break, man. Y'all want to see some cool pictures? All right, all right, show them a picture, John. Just throw up the first picture. That's just me. Some of you thought that was filtered. That ain't filtered. <laughs> Hashtag real me, right there. Just see is what you get. All right. So then we said, all right, let's see what kind of filters. <laughs> There's one. Look, there was a dude about to walk out in the back. He had to stop to see that first picture. I appreciate that. That's one of them. Go to the next one, John. Y'all are having too much fun with that. Just a filter, man. Hey, I'm in this picture, but the filter is changing how we see it. Go to the next one. Yeah. I'm not sure what was going on there. I just tried to find different filters. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Look, the kids left last Saturday, and, you know, so, like, they're gone for the week. That's how I felt right there. I was like, yeah. Anyway, okay, next one. Go to the next one. Ah, oh, that's. How many of y'all grew up in the 90s? You know what I'm saying? 90s, 2000s, man. 
when I had my band. So here's the thing. Um, that is a picture of me, but the filter changes the perception of me. Now, it's one thing to look at others and have a filter. It's another thing to put a filter when you look at yourself. Filters can make us believe some things. I think the right filters can help us believe the truth. I believe the wrong filters will make us believe the lie. This is why this is so important that we talk about this because you're going to have thoughts. And I think it's important to know where some of these thoughts are coming from because a lot of these thoughts are coming from somewhere closer to home than what we may expect. That's why I wanted to talk about these biases. Because we all have a way that we're leaning because of something that we grew up with. Okay? The picture, that's real picture, but the filter. And so the thoughts that we have, they're like pictures. But how we frame them, how we filter them, that's what we use our cognitive bias for. Okay? So let me give you an example of how this affects us. Okay? Some people, whenever they receive feedback on their performance... Okay, They receive feedback. Some are so thankful for the feedback that was given. Because they can take that feedback and use it in a constructive way and become better at what they're doing. Another person would hear the same exact feedback and become completely offended that someone would say that to them. Same information given, different filters. One is thankful the other is offended. Let's, let's bring it closer to home, okay? Because one child can think that mom is impossible to please. Like, one child is just like, you can't please that woman. Yeah. And the other child is just, watch this, just striving to be perfect. Wow. Wow. One, one just like, and you can't please her. You might as well give up. And the other child is, no matter what I do, I'm going to be perfect for her. It's crazy. Same house, same mama. Different filters. Okay, let's take it a step further. One child thinks that the father is loving and involved. But the other child thinks that the father is distant and demanding. Same house, same dad, different filters. One person thinks the boss is awesome. The other one is like, he's got to go. Isn't it amazing, though, how the filter determines how we see, how we act, how we live? What if we reframed these thoughts? Remember, it's not that the facts are different, it's the filter. I believe that things like offenses, comparisons, hurts, failures. Did you, did you hear when I said comparisons? Hurts, failures, selfishness, jealousy. All of these things can create filters for how we live our life. And they, they become harmful so I think, think about this. If you're constantly in comparison mode and you're always thinking from a comparison standpoint, if someone achieves something, we can't even be happy for it. 
You know, like, if they achieve something, we can't be happy for them because that's not fair that they get to do that and I don't. Like, what is wrong with that? Like, we want people to do well. Like, what if that's even happening in the context of, like, our own homes, our own families, our own friendships? Like, we got that friend, and we're happy for them. We're happy that you got the big house. We're so grateful for you. At least I don't owe 30 years on mine. Like, think of this. These are the, 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 the thoughts that we can't even be happy for someone else whenever they achieve something because we're constantly in this comparison mode or even the jealous mode. And these are some of the things that don't get talked about too much, but when we do begin to talk about them, it's kind of like, no, I don't deal with it, I don't deal with it. But then when we put the real-life situation, it's like, oh, no, that's me. Let's talk about love, Pastor Way. Let's talk about peace. And part of the reason that we're not feeling the love and experiencing the peace is because of these filters that we have on our thoughts that we can't, we can't have peace if we're comparing ourselves to someone else. Because if somebody else gets a job promotion and now they're in a different financial state than we are, we just think that they're leaving us behind. No, they're not. They're just achieving something. And let's be grateful for that. Amen? When somebody does well, we should be able to celebrate. But if our filter on our thinking isn't right, we're going to put ourselves in the position of thinking, that ain't fair, that ain't right, and we're going to become angry. And I think part of that is a part of our culture. Because culturally, these are the things that are occurring. And we have to make a decision, am I going to let culture set the filter of my mind? Am I going to let the way that everyone else thinks set the filter for how I think? Listen, if you don't like where you are in life, you got to change your thinking. Amen? That's where it begins, at how we're thinking. And so we've got to reframe these thoughts. In other words, I've got to get these thoughts under control or else I'm going to lose control of my life. So how do I reframe my thoughts? We have to create a different way of looking at a situation, a person, or a relationship by changing the filter or the frame of our thought. I've got to create a different way of looking at it. And if I don't create a different way of looking at it, I'm not going to create a new way of thinking. Now, remember, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control what you do with the things that occur in your life. You control what you do. You control your reactions. This can't be, well, if they wouldn't have, and they wouldn't have, and they wouldn't have. Like if somebody goes crazy at work, and you lose your cool, and do some things, and say some things, and then you get terminated, and you're like, well, if they wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. You still terminate it. Like, for real, like, you're still terminated. And so we can't say it's their fault. What we've got to do is say, hey, how am I controlling myself with the different things that are coming at me? And I believe we control it by how we frame it. I want to tell you a story to illustrate this. So it's this little kid that loved playing baseball. Anybody, anybody play baseball in here? Anybody just like all-time legends is baseball? Some of you raising your hand, and you are not. You're lying. Okay. Um. The kid that loved playing baseball, and the kid said this. He says, I'm the greatest hitter who has ever lived. Anybody know somebody like that? I mean, they're just quick to tell you how great they are. And so this little dude's like, you know what? I'm the greatest batter. I'm the greatest hitter that has ever lived. And so the kid goes into the backyard, and he picks up a ball, picks up his bat, and he throws the ball in the air. He swings as hard as he can, and he misses. 
And he says, even the greats miss every now and then. And so he grabs the ball again, and he picks up the bat, and he throws it up, and he misses again. And he said, sometimes they have strike two as well, but I still got another shot. So he grabs the ball, grabs the bat, he picks it up, swings, and misses again. Strike three, you're out. You would assume this kid is thinking that he's not the greatest hitter anymore because he just struck out. But this is his response. Man, I knew I was the greatest hitter. I didn't know I was also the greatest pitcher that there ever was. I just struck out the greatest hitter. It's all in how you frame it. It's all in how you look at it. I mean, it would have been, it would have been easy to, to dismiss yourself and say, you know what, I thought I was all that, but I'm obviously not. But he reframed it to think, you know what, I'm not just the greatest hitter, but I'm also the greatest pitcher because I just struck out the greatest hitter. Now, that is a pretty incredible way to think. And I know some of you are like, oh, my God, this is such a weak story. Well, what would you have come up with if you were preaching today? Anyway. <laughs> It's all in how you frame it. And watch this. Get ready, because I'm about to drop something on you that's just going to blow your mind away. It's called thinking different. I know. I heard somebody just say, whoa. <laughs> it's called thinking different. So the Apostle Paul, uh, he dreamed of going to Rome to preach the gospel. That was his dream. He just wanted to get to Rome to preach the gospel. But he didn't get there by being a preacher. He got there by being a prisoner. But he still got there. Think about this. His goal, like, you know, we're all trying to set up goals and achievements for our life and what we want to do, and this is going to be great. I'm going to be a success. Let's jot it down. It's the beginning of the year. And his goal is, I'm going to go to Rome, and I'm going to preach the gospel. Because everybody needs to hear about Jesus. We're going to bring the gospel to the ends of the world. And we're going to preach it, and people are going to be saved. And next thing you know, this guy that has this vision and this dream to go and achieve all these things finds himself in a prison locked up for the very thing that he is trying to achieve. It would have been easy to consider right there, oh my God, my life is over. I hate my life. Like this is how he would have wrote Philippians 1, 12, and 13. This is what he would have said. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really stinks. And as a result of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting e-group. And I'm never going back to church. That's what he would have wrote. Group text time. Group text. You know what I'm saying? you got to have a group text after this. Pray for me. Struggling. Food's horrible in prison. There's rats here. The guards stink. I hate my life. This is, I mean, am I right? This is what he could have wrote. This is what he could have said. I don't think it would have made it to Scripture. So watch this. He's in prison. He's trying to get to Rome to preach the gospel. But he's been thrown in prison because of it. 
And so now it looks like the dream is over. It's shattered. You're never going to go anywhere. And so he's in prison and he's like, I still, I got to do something because this is burning inside of me. And so this is what he really wrote in Philippians chapter one. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's a different way to look at it. I didn't see it like that. I just thought, "Uh uh-oh, it looks like the dream's over. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. It's become clear. Like his whole frame of thoughts. How do you have clarity at a moment where all of your plans are shot? Am I right? Like how, I mean, it didn't work. This was our plan. It didn't work. What are you going to do now? I don't know. I guess it wasn't meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. I, I really don't like when somebody tells me that. Can I be honest? Everything happens for a reason. We know. <laughs> we know. Don't tell me that again. If that's your line, let's work on a new one. in this situation and really he could have fell apart because it really looks like it's done looks like it's over it's not going to work out the way we thought so what he's saying is what most people thought was a bad situation I'm going to frame it as a good one in other words I'm going to put a different kind of filter on what's happening here I'm chained to influential Roman guards. And there's a new one that replaces this one every eight hours. There's a rotation every eight hours. They thought I was a prisoner, but I'm actually a preacher. So I'm going to give eight-hour sermons. And the people who are in here are going to get saved. How many of y'all like the way this guy is going? Aren't you glad he wrote the Bible and not some of us? I mean, seriously, man. I mean, his thinking is just incredible. Now, remember when we started the series? Some of his writings, the way he was describing himself, like what I know I should do, I don't do, and what I don't do, I should do. Like, he's really having a moment of like, bro, you need help. Like, probably need to go go to therapy or something. Now he's at a point in his life where he's got some control over his thoughts and now he's beginning to see things. Clearly he's beginning to see things with some purpose, okay? And so he says this in first I mean in Philippians 1:14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, I'm in here and I'm still being me. I'm still being the preacher even though I'm in prison. And because I'm still doing what I know I need to do, because this is what God has for me in my life, it's emboldening other people. It's emboldening some friends that I have that normally would have ran away because of this type of persecution. But because of my attitude and my perspective, my filter... They're getting stronger too. It's not just me who's getting stronger, but they are getting stronger as well. Anybody know someone really influential? They're just good thinkers. And when you get around them, you just like, let's go do something big. Like, let's go tackle the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you get around, and these are the kinds of people, what is it? It's a filter. It's a framework of their thinking that we're just so attracted to that when we get around it, there's this synergy that makes us want to go for it. 
as well as there are other people that we can get around, and you just get around them, and they just, it's like, man, let's just fall all the pieces together, man. Seriously. The whole world, I mean, everything is terrible. Lunch was awful today. Church this morning, what was that? You know what I'm saying? Like, go for a walk this afternoon, and the weather is gorgeous. Oh, my God, the pollen can't breathe. You know, it's like, how do you want the flowers to grow? You know, it's like all these different things. It's praying. What he said was this. He's saying, look, God's using my chains. God's using something that I'm going through to impact other people. So even though it's not going according to the plan that I came up with, the results are still occurring. Sometimes that happens with careers. Sometimes that happens with school. It happens with our jobs. It happens with our families. We saw it going one way. Different people in our lives bring about different ideas, different biases. Anybody got some people in your family with some different biases than you? And it it doesn't look according to plan, but things are still being accomplished. You still look at it and say, man, we're doing well. We're in a good place. It's all about this filter. It's all about our framework, how we are thinking. So I want to give you a few things to consider. If we're going to frame our thoughts in the right way. Let, let, let me give you a couple of things that I think is going to help you. The first thing is this. Thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. you got some moments in your life where it, something bad could have happened? Like, that could have happened. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, that could have happened and it would change the trajectory of my life. Or maybe it was somebody else in your life that, thank God they did the right thing. Thank God that did not happen to them. And we don't often think like that. All we're thinking about what is happening to us. But thank God for what didn't happen. I have to be honest. When I was writing this message, the first thing I thought of was the old Garth Brooks song. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I don't mean to quote Garth, but I mean, I thought it applied. Thank God that didn't work out that way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got some thank God that did not. Some of you are like, thank God I ended that relationship a long time ago. Seriously, like, thank God we did not buy that house. Anybody following? Thank God I went to that school instead of that school. Had I not gone to this school, I wouldn't have met my wife. Thank God I was friends with this person. I had that relationship with them, and it was so hard to cut ties because I thought they were the greatest connection ever in my life. But I I realized some things, that God can provide for me even in bigger ways than what I expected. And God brought a new friend in my life. Thank God, because that old friend is in a scary place now. Thank God for what didn't happen. This is like where where you're sitting in the airplane. You ever had this happen? I have. You're sitting in the airplane, and the little little guy comes on there. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to delay the flight for the next hour so that we can do some service work on the plane. Please remain calm and in your seats, and we will be back in a few minutes. Like, thank God they didn't make that announcement when you were in the air. (laughs) Am I right? Like, I know you're late. I know you're going to be late because this flight is delayed. But aren't you glad you were delayed when the plane was on the ground and not in the air? See, we don't always think like that, though. We don't. 
missed the deadline at work and you're bummed because you didn't get the bonus. At least you didn't lose your job. Thank God we didn't lose our job. Got in a car accident and, I mean, just messed up that whole one side of your car. And that deductible is pretty expensive, a lot of damage, rental car, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. I don't know, I don't know. But thank God you wouldn't hurt. Like, thank God for what didn't happen. I wonder if we've ever taken a few moments just to say, God, thank you for, thank you that that didn't happen. Thank you that, that your, your hand was on me through that decision because I almost made the decision to do this. And had I made the decision, I would have missed. I would have missed some things that you had for me. Thank God for what didn't happen. Here's the next thing. Number two, practice pre-framing. Practice pre-framing. The way we think, like all these filters, think about it. If I have some filters ready ahead of time, the right filters ready ahead of time, I think it can shape what we experience and how we experience it. I really do. So this is what it sounds like. Maybe you have a project to do. Gosh, this is going to be so hard. But what if you pre-frame it and say, you know what? This is going to be a fun project. I love a good challenge. Like, what if just simple little things like this? Like, what if we go into it with that frame of thinking instead of just automatically going to the negative filter? Like, what if we, like, oh, God, spring break's over. Oh, Tuesday, we get back in the grind of going to school and got to do this, got to do that, and all these different thoughts. Oh, my God, like all these different negative thoughts. Or we could go into it, you know what? It's the last stretch before summer. We're going to make it a good one. That's a filter. That's a frame. I'm just setting it up. Can't stand going to these kinds of events. Like, think of this. This is another real-life situation. Can't stand to go to these kinds of events. What if we filter it like this? You know what? I get to be with my family. Been saying, been praying for God to give me more opportunities to do things with my family. And so now this event came out of nowhere. God's just answering the prayer. What if I just change my filter and say, you know what? This is good. This is what I've been praying for. This is a great thing for our family. So I want you to write this down. What we believe determines how we will behave. What we believe determines how we will behave. The way that you look at something is going to, de- it's going to, be, it's going to determine how you experience it. And even as I'm saying this, you can hear the crowd just get really, really quiet because I think this is where reality hits us. Because in our busyness, in our constant go, 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 we live in such a reaction state of mind to everything. All right? We don't have time to do everything we need to do, so I'm just going to run through the fast food restaurant. And so in our mind, any kind of negative experience we ever had with the fast food restaurant, it's filtering through. And that's how we treat the lady whenever we're given our order. Ask Cynthia about this. One time there was a particular hamburger establishment that I would go through, 
and every time I would go there, it was always challenging. And so I wouldn't even give the person who's working there the benefit of the doubt. I would just start screaming the order. <laughs> and I was in the ministry. I just, I just like, I'm hungry. I've got to get my order right. And I would just scream, I need a double cheese burger. <laughs> Ketchup and mayo only. French fries, large. And like, you know how they want to tell you, okay, what size before I tell you what all I want on my burger? You know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to tell them like which one I need to, you need to know this is what I want on my burger. And they're asking you, what size drink? What size fries? Hold on, we're going to get there. <laughs> like, back up. Let me tell you what I want on that burger that I just told you that I wanted. Some of y'all clapping because you're feeling it. I'm not trying to change your filter. I'm just trying to tell you how that filter impacted me. And I was just letting, every time I go there, I was just letting them have it. Just let them have it. Then I went to the same establishment in a different location. Different experience. There, there's one place that I frequent. It's a fast food restaurant. And it's this one particular place in town. And I'll go there anytime. Because the people there are amazing. And it's not Christian chicken place either. <laughs> it's not. It's Golden Arches. And some of you are like, I don't support it. Uh, well, whatever. I'm telling you, these people are awesome. They treat me like gold. They like me. I'm serious. I got a whole new filter. How are we framing these thoughts before I go into it? Like if you have a big test coming up, if you go into it thinking, oh, no, oh, no, I never do good on these kinds of tests. You're already putting yourself in a place of disadvantage. I mean, you're already disadvantaged. But what if you started thinking, you know what? I'm going to do better on this test than I've ever done on any test before. And you train your mind. You stay in that way of thinking. I guarantee the way that you study, it's going to be different than the way you studied before. If you approach tomorrow because it's another Monday and say, you know what? Tomorrow is going to be the best Monday I ever had. And even though there is traffic, you're still saying this is still going to be the best Monday ever. And even though they come and drop that stack of file folders on your desk or you get that phone call that someone's not showing up and you got to do all of their work too. If you're still pre-framing us, today is going to be awesome Monday. I believe you can have an awesome Monday. If you believe marriage is so negative, it will be negative. But if you frame it the right way, it can be incredible. If you think raising kids is just terrible, it's probably going to be terrible. But if I frame it as I'm raising some world changers, and they might be a little crazy, but they're mine. And I'm going to get crazy with them too. It's all about how you frame it. We have to practice pre-framing ahead of time before you get to the family event. Like some of you, you already need to begin preparing for Christmas. Seriously, like you got to start thinking. Some of you are planning to go to the mouse house this summer. You need to prepare your mind now. Even though they say it's the happiest place on earth, there are some challenges there. You got to pre-frame it. Here's the last thing. No matter what, I think we have to look for God's goodness. No matter what, look for God's goodness. I have found that I always find what I'm looking for. If I want to find trouble with someone, I'm going to find it if I keep looking for it. If you want to find trouble with me, you keep looking, you will find it. And if you ask, I may tell you. If you want to listen, I'm serious. If you want to find a problem with the restaurant today at lunch, if you start looking, it is not hard 
to find. You'll find it. But what if we can see the goodness that is right there in front of us? What if we could see the goodness of God in a person's life instead of just the craziness that they're living through and the things that they're doing? What if we can see that God's hand is on their life because I don't know how someone could live like that and not fall to pieces and die. Like, seriously. Like, I could see that God's hand is on them. It's a matter of how I preframe my thinking. And the biases that we've had have led us to think this way for so long. And I believe this brings us to a point of decision. Do I want to keep thinking the way that I've always been thinking? Because if I do, I will keep living the way I've always lived. Like if we have this thought that no one wants to be my friend, and we keep thinking that, then no one's going to want to be our friend. Because we're going to think no one wants to be our friend. And so we're not going to make any attempt to be friendly. Think of this. We're not going to put ourselves out there to go and say hello. During the, like, like when we say shake hands, high five someone, some of us do. We're just like, I don't do that, man. I just sit down. What if you high five the person that you might marry? I don't know why y'all so quiet. I mean, that's a reality. What if, what if you shook hands and met somebody, and down the road, they hire you to come work for them? What if? I'm just saying, what if? But if we just think, well, I don't, no one wants to talk to me. No one wants to, I, don't, I just don't do it. What if we reframed our thinking and said, you know what? Go to shake some hands and say hello. It could set up some things for you that you never knew existed. Are, are y'all grabbing this today? Preframing your thoughts. In other words, I'm not going to wait for it to react to it ahead of time. I'm going to set myself up. Now, watch this. And I got to say this at the end. Reframing is not passively receiving a circumstance. Let me say it again. Reframing is not just passively receiving a circumstance. It's actively interpreting it. Did you grab that? Because some of us are just, well, that's just how it goes. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> Trying hard to smile. Let me get one of the filters. No, it's actively interpreting it. And how am I interpreting it? Well, thank God that didn't happen. I'm going to preframe this. I'm going to see that maybe God's setting me up for something I didn't realize. I'm going to look for God's goodness. See, what am I doing? I'm actively interpreting it. I'm not interpreting God through my circumstances. I'm interpreting my circumstances through the goodness of God. That is so good. In other words, I'm not determining who God is based off of what's been happening to me. Because the last time I read through the Bible, all kinds of bad things happened to some really, really incredible people in the Bible. And God was still God. What am I going to do? I'm going to look at my circumstances through who God is and through His goodness. So watch this. I can't control what's happening to me. But I can control how I frame it. How are you framing your life situation? I challenge you today to frame it using God's goodness. I'm going to look at my family. I'm going to look at my spouse. I'm going to look at these relationships. I'm going to look at my career. I'm going to look at, watch this, my finances. I'm going to look at it through God's goodness instead of my negativity. 
Because God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I might not be good, but He is good all the time. And if I can frame my thoughts with His ways and His thinking, it's going to change my ways and my living. You got to pre-frame. You got to frame. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Week one, we said the word repent means to change the way you think. And a lot of times we have put repentance in the category of just simply being sorry because we have done something wrong. And there is sorrow in repentance. We should be sorry for what we've done wrong. But there also is the action part of it that we should begin to change our perspective and change the way we think, allowing God to influence our thoughts so that we live right. Remember what I said earlier? How we believe determines how we behave. And maybe you're here today, and as you evaluate the activities of your life, perhaps you see that you're further from God than what you thought. Perhaps we're further from God because of the way that we think. And the awareness of repentance is this, that God, I can't continue to live this way. I need your influence. I need you to be in control of me. I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And so it's making the decision no longer living this way I'm following your way I'm changing my thinking by changing the influence instead of me being in control God is in control and maybe today you find yourself in a position that you are away from God perhaps you grew up in a church environment and maybe at an early age you walked the aisle and prayed a prayer Perhaps you have zero church background. You may be here today for the first time hearing the good news of Jesus for the very first time in your life. And you never knew this before. But you find yourself in a place saying, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Or perhaps you find yourself here today and maybe you've just been in neutral. You've been in a position to where you knew God and you knew the possibilities. You knew these things. But because you've remained neutral, your life has taken the path of least resistance and it's brought you down roads and brought you to decisions that you should have never, ever been involved in. And you're saying, where is the hope? The hope is this, that God is opening the door today and he's saying, come to me and he will forgive. Come to me. I'll give you a new start. Come to me and we will give you a new beginning. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I, I need this relationship with Jesus. I need him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I've got to change my thinking and allow him to set the filters and the frames of my mind. If that's you here today, I would just want you real quick, would you slip up a hand and say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Anyone else? There's a couple of hands that's already been slipped up. Everyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Every Sunday, we get to pray this prayer together as a church family. And I so love this moment because this is the point where a person is saying, you know, I'm hearing, but I'm making a decision. 
and it starts with a decision and it's followed through with action but this is the point of decision today and i want to ask all of our church family to pray this prayer together with us this morning those of you who are praying this for the first time we're with you heart and soul those of you maybe you've prayed this before hey we are with you heart and soul we want to see you make it we want to see you become all that god has planned for your life we stand with you today come on let's pray this out loud everyone say dear lord Thank you for loving me, even when I was the furthest from you. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to draw me closer and closer to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for all of my sins and everything that I've done wrong. I deserved the punishment, but you took it for me. So I ask you to forgive me today for everything that I've done wrong. And I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. Surrender my thinking to you. And I choose now to follow you. You are the Lord and Savior of my life. And I thank you that my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.